Hey gang, Vadim here. On this episode of the DIY Recording Guys, Ben and I talk about why COVID-19 presents such a unique opportunity for musicians interested in DIY recording. We talk about some strategies for deciding which ideas to work on during this time. We talk about some strategies for taking those ideas from the idea phase uh, all the way to the finished recording phase. And we talk about the importance of finishing and how that's such a critical step to learning. At the end, we throw down a bit of a challenge to you and to ourselves. And we also have an exciting offer for you guys to hopefully take advantage of. We're going to try to uh, help you finish songs that you may have been procrastinating. We've all got ideas we've been procrastinating. So this is really a challenge to our whole community. Enjoy. You are listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. All right, welcome to another episode of the DIY Recording Guys podcast. As always, I'm your host, Benjamin Hall from DreamLoud Studio. Here with my co-host, Vadim Karaz from Calm Frog Recording. Ben, we just did like an hour and fifteen minutes of banter without <laughs> without recording. So, yeah, uh, but that's all that's all secret stuff coming in the future. Yeah, it's Is our correct? Uh, yes. plot to take over the world. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so we we don't want to record that. Yeah, we we saved all the best banter for now. So what's uh how how are you holding up in these in these quarantine times we're living in? I want to be careful about saying this because I, I know that there are people going through tough times. Um, I'm thankful I still have my day job, so I have another income coming in, which is great. Um, but I'm kind of loving quarantine because I'm an introvert. So And Final Fantasy VII Remake that I've been waiting 10 years to get released uh, I saw that just came out. Yeah. yeah, so it's... It's crazy because I remember that was that was one of those games, and like I'm into video games, like not super into them, but I enjoy them like somebody like enjoys movies, you know, just to chill out at the end of the day. I think you've talked about video games on like thirty percent of the episodes we've done, so I'd say <laughs> you know you're into them. Go keep going, keep going. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so anyways, I just have to explain how surreal it is to play a game that originally came out in in 1997 and I was just a wee lad back then and it was the first RPG with three-dimensional characters that I had ever played or seen that had like a really involving storyline and I had just never played a game that had that amount of immersion yeah and it just it blew me away and if you go back and play it, it's not the greatest thing. I mean, it's by far not the greatest thing ever, but for its time, it just blew me away. And so it's cool to be able to dive back into at least uh, 90% similar story. They did change some things in making it a remake. Did they change? They changed up all the graphics, I assume? Oh, it's completely, completely redone from the the bottom up is, so is that the one I, I heard some I've never played the Final Fantasy games, but I heard this NPR story where there's some beloved character that dies and it, it yeah. like shocked the world. I don't want I should have said spoiler alert, but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we can go back in and like put like warning warning sirens or something. Yeah, I shouldn't have done that. That's terrible. Yeah. Also Dumbledore dies in in Harry Potter. Just get all the spoilers out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but go on. So that's the one? Yeah, and, and thankfully you didn't say who it was, but yeah, it's it there's somebody in the in the game. 
did you have the that emotional effect that that everybody talks about when you were a kid playing? No, that? because it was kind of it was kind of spoiled for me because when I first saw it, like I didn't own the system. I went over to this is back whenever you went over to your buddy's house and you always had that one friend that yeah. had, the, <laughs> had the lenient had the parents and just could play video. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, so I went over there and played, so I didn't get a chance to get to that part in the game. So it was kind of the same way with, you know, growing up not, or being a generation behind the original Star Wars. Mm. And, you know, the Luke, I, that moment of Luke, I am your father, like, that would be so shocking to see that for I the know. first time. Yeah, but it, it was already ruined for me because it already was a, such a quotable thing before I saw it. So yeah. it, in a similar way, like, I already knew that this character had died just from her hearing people talk about the game because it's a pretty beloved game just across, you know, the gaming world yeah, uh, yeah in, sure. in general. So, but it's a lot of fun to dive back into something that like had awful like polygon graphics and like 8-bit music and, and now it's completely redone with like a beautiful orchestral score. And Oh, nice. It, it's just, I don't know, it's just like the nostalgia level is just through the roof. Wow, I can imagine. So yeah, it's cool. very it's very cool in that sense. Cool. So what's new with you? How are you holding up? I'm holding up okay. Yeah, I definitely uh like you. I know it's it's the, the stuff we're here in some you know, on the East Coast, especially in New York, is is really scary and um there's definitely a lot of uncertainty still. But on a day to day basis, I'm kinda living the bachelor life right now because my, my wife is quarantined with some family helping out, so I'm uh, I'm finding myself in a bachelor situation, which it's been about a decade since I've I've been in this situation, <laughs> and I'm uh, I'm trying to keep the there's a little brewery downstream of our house, which I'm uh, I'm sentimental towards because it opened up right around the time my wife and I bought this house, and so they're doing like beer takeout orders, so I'm trying to keep them afloat, and um, so actually what I'm drinking right now. It's nice. <laughs> it's really weird process. You like you call up a phone number and a guy picks up and he's like, hey what do you want? You know, and you're like, I want this, uh, I want a four pack of this. And then he's like, okay, call again when you're outside. It's kind of like got a drug deal feel to it. So I walk down there into like this little parking lot and I call him and then like inevitably other people are, have done the same thing. So they kind of wander into the parking lot and nobody wants to get close to each other. And they're all just like standing with their hands in their pockets and staring at the ground and kicking invisible rocks. And <laughs> this guy comes out, gives you your beer. And then, uh, I don't know. It's surreal, man. It's definitely surreal, but I'm trying to, you know, take walks and stay sane. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Me and my wife, we're going on, you know, at least a walk every day, probably yeah. do like a mile. So it's, nice. it's nice to get out. I mean, you have to get out because yeah. there's no way you can just stay in your house. Oh my God. I'm sick of seeing my living room for sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, what's, uh, what's our episode about today? What are we, what are we talking about here? So this is a perfect uh, segue transition, right. <laughs> Vadim. So <laughs> um, what I really wanted to talk about, what we wanted to talk about today was why now is the best time ever to get into recording your own music if you have not done so yet at this point, or maybe you have already, why now is the best time to be taking advantage of this. It's our, it's our COVID or co-home uh, episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I kind of want to wanted to preface this episode by saying that, um, and forgive me, but I don't know who said this quote, but I heard this quote from some influencer somewhere. And he was kind of asking a rhetorical question. And the rhetorical question was, well, when is the best time to start a business? 
if you're an entrepreneur, when would, when would you think the best time to start a business would be? And a lot of people probably would say or think, well, it's when times are good. It's whenever you have a lot of money. It's when you have a lot of time. It's when the economy's good. And he actually said the opposite. He said, the best time to start a business is when you lose your job, when you, uh, when the economy isn't good. And the reason is, is because at that point, what have you got to lose? You're already in a tough spot and it kind of forces you to put the pedal to the metal and, uh, and gain a little bit more mental fortitude and just kind of do what you've been putting off for so long. And, uh, that's kind of what I want to focus on with this episode today and, and saying that, you know, maybe recording yourself, um, doing some do it yourself recording like this podcast is about is something that you've been, been interested in doing, uh, but haven't really done up until this point. But now is the time that you should be doing this. What do you think about that, Vadim? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe you've been procrastinating. Maybe you've been intimidated. Maybe you've been busy. I mean, people are busy, you know. But now we got two things. We have, most of us have an abundance of time at home and kind of a lack of excuses, right, to, to really yep. be putting this stuff off. So I think what we're going to try to do is, is build on that a little bit and then give you some, some strategies on like, okay, well, what, what can you do? What can you start doing to start fleshing out those songs? We know you have. We know if you're sitting there listening to this, we know you have a little black book of song ideas that are just yep. waiting to be developed. And so we're going to try to help you uh, get those and make them real, make them a reality that you can put out into the world and be proud of. Even in my situation, my work is actually busier than it was before the shutdown happened, just with the type of work that we do. Mm. But still, even there, like being at home, I have a guitar sitting on my lap all day long, even while I'm answering emails for my other job. (laughs) And uh, I literally have my laptop in front of me. That's my work computer uh, for my day job. And then my studio computer is behind it open, kind of the way that we do the podcast here. <laughs> and uh, I just have my guitar and I'm just like playing riffs and, and working on stuff. So even if you're still working from home or still have something to do, um, you inevitably have some more free time in your life because, well, you, let's say you can't go out to eat like you used to. So right. just thinking about all those things that have been forcibly eliminated from your life and instead of being sad about it. Um, I just encourage you guys to redeem the time that we have and, you know, use it as think of it and as an investment back into yourself for whenever all of this lifts up and we're going to be free again to go wherever and do whatever this, this time will probably never, never happen again in our lifetimes where we're forced to stay, stay inside. And that's a great point. And, and so was your other point about using this as an investment because Honestly, the best way to learn about recording is to start doing it. Every time you finish a song, I guarantee you will think, oh, okay, now I know what I'm doing. Like, I learned so much making that song. Well, those, those learnings will stick with you. Like, eventually when things get back to normal and people start getting out of their homes, you will still have, you will still be able to capitalize on the things you learned finishing songs during this time. Yeah. So instead of binging every season of Netflix in your Netflix queue, which I'm, which I am doing also, but yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I'm doing some of that. So instead of binging every episode, we're only binging or every show we're binging just, you know, one show and then saving the the other for recording stuff. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I kind of laid out there, you know, that was the first bullet point of, you know, why is now the best time to start doing this? 
Um, the second reason I think that now is the best time to start learning how to record yourself or recording your own music is once this COVID-19 shutdown opens up, I think, um, I mean, it, the music industry has already changed drastically and I think the future is going to be forever changed going forward from here. Um, and I think one of the things that people are going to start realizing is that they can record their own quality music at home, that they don't need to go to a studio. They don't need to go somewhere else that's uncomfortable, that's not uh, in their own comfortable creative space, record quality tracks and either you know, release it themselves or send it to mixing engineers like Vadim and I to finish it up. But I think that the days of going to big recording studios and uh, recording your music in a big commercial space, I think that that might be going by the wayside. Yeah. So by, by starting now, you're kind of, you're, you're getting ahead of the curve. Like I, like you said, Ben, this is a kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity. The other thing is like, we said you have more time. Guess who else has more time? Everybody else who's stuck at home, mm -hmm. which means that you have an endless supply of potential collaborators and also people yes. to to listen to your your content. And I've also if you're if you're a musician like the bar for live content has been lowered a little bit where you see big name artists streaming from their living rooms and from their messy bedrooms. And so that, you know, if they can do it, certainly, certainly you can do it. So it's a, it's a good time. It's a good time to get started. Yeah, I agree. Um, I saw your post in the Facebook community about, you know, what uh, streaming services have you used for performances? And I, I, th I thought that that was a really good question. I've only done a couple, well, I've only done one Instagram video where I recorded something, but uh, I would love to start getting more into the Facebook Live and, and Instagram Live for even some of my own content. You know, everybody's doing it now, so now's the best time to start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I wonder if that's going to be a change as well. Is um, you see more if you're going to start seeing more of these streaming type of concerts uh, as people get used to them and get more comfortable with them, and and a lot of there's some advantages. People, I think, enjoy the intimacy of it of seeing mm -hmm. an artist they like in their bedroom as opposed to, you know, on stage in, in rock star form. So I think that's some of those things aren't going away. I think you're right. It's going to, it's going to change the industry. So what's next on your list? It's just a reminder to everybody listening out there that, and this is especially true of me when I first got into recording is I didn't realize how much recording in and of itself is a skill, just like playing an instrument is a skill. So I think to have an appropriate expectation going into recording yourself is, is important to have. So don't expect the first time that you record something, even if you're a good musician, that it's going to sound great because the, the skill of recording yourself, it requires a lot of practice. Um, and so, and that comes down to just learning how to play with a click, you know, being able to play in time. Because uh, if you're going to be recording yourself and layering a bunch of different performances together or different tracks, so two acoustic guitars, it takes a certain amount of skill to be able to play in time uh, with your own performances. So now is, now is the time to learn to hone that skill. There's no better judge or more ruthless judge than playing your recordings back to yourself <laughs> and hearing what they sound like. <laughs> sure. But the best coach. 
We talked about this before in, I think it was episode two or three, where we went down with um, uh, our gear list of all the things you need to get started with do-it-yourself recording. So I'm just going to go through again and talk about, uh, this is the budget version and the bare bones, what you need to get up and running. So let's say the goal here is to record your music and it still be the same quality as a normal release that you would be proud of having on Spotify. Is that the goal? I think, I think that that's yeah. a good goal that we should be shooting for. Sure. So what do we need to do to get to that point? Um, I'm going to assume at first that we already have a computer. So if you don't have a computer, you might have to go get a computer. But I think most people have a computer uh, that they can record with. Um, you're going to need an audio interface. And we talked about that before. An audio interface turns analog signal from a microphone or a guitar cable. And that turns that into a digital signal that can go into your computer and be read. So it's essentially an external sound card. And I would say you can spend anywhere between 50 to to $100 for a budget audio interface that's quality enough to get quality tracks. The next thing you'll need is a digital audio workstation that you're comfortable with. And there are quite a few free ones out there that are decent enough to record your own music. Uh, GarageBand being one and Reaper being another. At least there's a free trial of Reaper. Uh, a microphone. If you're a vocalist, you're going to need a microphone. There's plenty of dynamic and condenser microphones out there that are $100 brand new that I would swear by that you can use to record quality tracks. I'm thinking of things like the Audio-Technica 2020. Uh, that is a condenser, large diaphragm condenser microphone. You could also use something like an SM58, which is that handheld uh, dynamic microphone that you see singers using all the time at live concerts, or even an SM57, which can be equally used for miking up guitar cabinets. That's kind of the, as Vadim says, the dark horse of guitar. That's not um, the dark horse. That's the horse. Yeah, the horse of guitar, the <laughs> guitar cab. It's biking. the workhorse. Uh, yeah, but I've seen plenty of vocalists use an SM57 as well, yeah. so you can totally use that. Yeah, you can do that for sure. Another thing you're going to need are headphones, and uh, you can either use headphones that you have right now, or you can invest in some maybe more quality, better isolating over over the ear headphones, somewhere between fifty to a hundred dollars. I would suggest if you don't have those. And then lastly, a microphone cable. So whenever we add everything up that you need, you're spending anywhere between zero to probably $300 to get this stuff. <laughs> and zero being you already have everything that I've mentioned and 300 meaning that you have to buy everything that I've mentioned besides the computer or the instrument. So um, we're all getting stimulus checks or most of us are getting stimulus checks in the mail. So just take a quarter of that and put it into investing in your do-it-yourself setup. Um, anything to add to the list to start? Cer certainly go back and listen to those episodes. I think it was two and three where we really talk about all the, we dive into, into detail on all the gear you need. I'm going to talk a little bit about here how to organize which ideas you want to develop. So as I said, undoubtedly, if you're listening to this podcast, you I'm, I guarantee you have a bunch of unfinished song ideas. You have a bunch of loops or a bunch of guitar riffs recorded onto your cell phone. And what I would recommend doing is making a list of those things. And if you could picture, let's say you have two parameters you're considering. One is 
degree of completion. How close is this idea to being a complete song, right? And the second one is how strong of a song it is. And you probably have a feel for this. You know, you know when you write that guitar riff and you're like, okay, this one has legs versus like, oh, this is just a mediocre riff. So draw like a two by two matrix, right? So picture like a, like four squares where in one square is like the the square to the top and to the right is the one that has the song ideas that are closest to completion and are the strongest. And then there's some that are strong, but they're not so close to completion. And then there's some that are close to completion, but they're not so strong. So kind of categorize all of your ideas that you have, all of your riffs into these, into this two by two matrix, and then pick the one that are your highest quality, closest to completion ideas, and just say, I'm going to work on three of these and I'm not going to work on anything else. I'm not going to write new riffs until I've developed these three ideas. Okay, so now you have your kind of batch like, all right, I'm working on these three songs. And I think the next thing you want to do is kind of give yourself a deadline. Like we, you know, if you're if you're in a major band and you have a label that wants a release date, that's a deadline. That's going to help mm. you get stuff done. If you, you know, if you you go to school, you have a paper due, you might wait till the last evening, but that's a deadline. It's going to make sure that paper gets done. You want to do the same thing there, and you kind of want to force your own hand a little bit if you can. So if you can, try to give yourself some real-world consequences. So, for example, if you have a small social media following, just put it out there. Be like, hey, just so you know, July 21st, I'm dropping a three-song EP. Mm -hmm. And you haven't even recorded it yet, but that's your deadline. And people are like, oh, cool. That's great. I can't wait to see it, you know? Now you have a deadline you're working to. I mentioned this before in one of our other podcast episodes, but, uh, and this is genre. So the caveat is it's genre dependent, but in especially pop music genres or rock genres, I love doing what I call the acoustic guitar vocal test. And this, this helps you determine if your song is, you know, more, more or less finished or if it's a good song or not. And if you could take your song and strip it down and, and just play it as acoustic guitar strumming and singing over top of it and it sounds good, then you have you pretty much have a great song. So let's say if you play it and you know maybe you can't and you in particular if you played it for somebody else and you and you thought of them listening to it and um, maybe the melody's not fleshed out in, enough or maybe your chords aren't fleshed out enough to maybe sound, or maybe it sounds too repetitive or something like that, then you'll know that it needs more work on. But I love just stripping down my songs just to, you know, acoustic guitar and vocal to to let me know, okay, is this actually a finished song or does it need more work? Yeah, I think that's a great test to, to do. And I, I had some similar notes here about limiting your options. I, I think one of the biggest hurdles when you have song ideas is getting to a point where you have that arrangement finalized where you know like okay i have four bars of this and then i have eight bars of verse and so on so getting to that point is going to be a priority it's going to be a huge hurdle to overcome and one way to do that is 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 basically what you're saying is to limit your options don't say okay i have a million options for virtual instruments and things i can layer on here just say i'm gonna say i'm gonna develop this song structure using nothing but three elements hmm at most. So you're even saying two elements, which I think is great. You use an acoustic guitar and your voice, right? But maybe you have mm -hmm. some, a third element in there like drums. And before you start building layers, like which 
which uh, tambourine has the best sound, right? Before you start getting into that level of detail, just use those three elements to flesh out your full arrangement. And don't confuse picking tones with arranging and composing. Like picking tones mm-hmm. is definitely going to be important, but and in some cases you may have a tone like if you have a really crazy guitar effect that's driving your song, that's that's great, but in most cases your arrangement will will need to come first, right? And the tones will come after. So focus on getting to that point where you have a finished arrangement you're happy with before moving on to uh picking tones and getting bogged down with building on layers. I'll jump in there and and talk about arrangement as well because I have a couple tricks that I like to use uh, for getting arrangements down. So uh, when I'm songwriting, I don't ever feel the pressure to to or I don't ever put the restriction on myself to feel like I have to come up with something from scratch. So a lot of times I will start with an idea and I'll have in my mind that I want it to sound like this genre or similar to this band normally i'll have that in the back of my head of like okay this is a heavy metal song this is a edm pop song whatever it is whatever i'm working on and if i get stuck at any part of the process let's say that i have a really killer hook and my chorus is lacking or i have a good chorus and i need a verse or a bridge whatever it might be Mm -hmm. um a lot of times i'll just start listening to artist in that genre that I'm thinking about and I'll start picking apart and analyzing and and think to myself, well, what do they do to come up with a bridge in their song? And I mean, everything from stealing exactly what they have in there, like I'll just use what they do to influence me and I'll say, oh, it sounds like for their bridge, they go to this specific chord uh, in the key that they're playing in. So why don't I try doing that in my song? Or I've even gone as far, and this is a really fun exercise too, um, if I'm really stuck or if I want to be really creative or, or want to help jumpstart my creativity in songwriting, I'll try to, I'll listen to a song that I like a lot and I'll try to write a drum beat that's a different drum beat over that song hmm. to kind of that also goes along with it. And then I'll strip away all the music except for the drums and then I'll write something new that's inspired by that drum beat that I put or I might do the same or I I might do the same thing because I'm primarily a bass player Uh, if I'm listening to a song that I like I I might try to write a brand new bass line like a really funky bass line or, or something different that will also go along with the song that I'm listening to and then I'll just solo that and write other parts that go around it so I'm using already the format of a pop song that's out there in the world. And I'm kind of just using that as my template to build stuff around. That's a great idea. I, I do like that as well as is immersing yourself in a, a genre adjacent to what you're working on. We talked about this in the guitar tone building episode. I, I called it the playlist method where you have a playlist and you just add songs to it that have like guitar tones that you enjoy. You can do the same type of thing where uh, for song structures, you can have a playlist where you say, oh, "I really want to. I really like this effect, or I, le- I really like this thing they did in the bridge," and use that for inspiration. I think there's there's uh, no shame in that. And I, I also like for fleshing out the the arrangements. I also like the idea of writing things out. So sometimes even just with a pencil and paper. Mm. Uh, sometimes I find that you have this mess of ideas kind of floating around your head. Maybe you have two riffs and you think one could work for the chorus and one could work for the verse and you're kind of not sure how to do it. And sometimes just that act of drawing it out, writing it out. First, I'm going to have riff A. 
then I'm going to have B and then so on. It just helps kind of congeal that, that idea and, and firm it up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to jump into something else too. Um, moving on from the pre-production, unless you wanted to add anything else with the pre-production, Vadim? Um, Maybe just one more note. I had uh, yeah, in my ahead. notes here just to to limit your tinkering. I kind of said this already, but one one other strategy I'll suggest is get used to. Um, maybe this is already getting past pre production anyway, but get used to listening to songs outside of of your DAW. I feel like listening to songs mm. inside your DAW. There's a lot of visual distractions there, and there's a lot of tendencies to like, oh, I'll throw on another virtual instrument, or oh, I can tweak this EQ, or I can tweak this thing. Getting away from that, getting out of the studio and listening on your cell phone or listening to on a Bluetooth speaker or in your car sometimes can help clarify things. You're like, oh, that sounds good. I'm not going to tweak that baseline anymore. That's, that's a pretty good baseline, right? Whereas sometimes when you're in that studio mindset, the tendency is to endlessly tweak and endlessly refine to the point of uh, it being destructive to your workflow. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, so something you talked about earlier uh just with everybody having so much time on their hands this also means that we have maybe uh, a lot more people that we could potentially collaborate with that maybe were not available before so um (laughs) i think it's important to admit to ourselves unless we're prodigies which most of us are not that none of us can do all of this uh on our own so we're going to have to reach out to other people for help. And I know for me in particular, I'm a really good instrumentalist. Where I'm lacking a lot of times is vocals, though. So a lot of times I'll reach out to collaborate with my friends saying, hey, I wrote all this instrumental stuff. Can you sing over it? Or some of my friends that are just vocalists, they'll say, send me your vocal tracks and I'll like write some music to go along with it. Um, this is This can also apply to... Uh, the production side of things. Um, maybe you're a really good songwriter and you have all that down, but you need just more help with the production or advice with the recording or somebody to send it to to mix and master. Wink, wink, Vadim and I. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> shameless, shameless plug. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, so I just want to throw some ideas out there. Uh, collaborate with your friends. Um, reach out to some people um, through social media. We're all at home. We're all on social media all day, right? (laughs) Reach out to some people on social media that are a little bit farther along than you. Maybe somebody that you look up to that's already been recording their own stuff and putting it out there and ask them for some advice, like reach out to them, message them. I guess ultimately, I just want to get across that, you know, we're not all as experts at everything. So if you feel like you're missing some caveat of information, then, uh, yeah, reach out to the people around you and collaborate. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. You have to kind of play to your strengths. And also it can just be incredibly inspiring to even get like a little three-note loop from somebody because it sets parameters for you then to work within, right? It can be kind of, it's back to that jam analogy that I, I gave a couple of weeks ago or like, if you have if you're staring at unlimited options in your in your program here, that can be challenging. But if if somebody online has a little three-bar loop that they put together and you could work off of that and build on top of that, you can come up with some really crazy things because you may have never thought to come up with that loop and it may be very simple, but then it sparks some ideas in your head. And it could also be a cool way if you if you have a small fan base already. 
I think now it's more acceptable than ever to test ideas for your fans. I mm. see people doing this on Instagram all the time where, again, they're just sitting in their room. They're saying, hey, check out this. I'm writing this song. What do you think? It's kind of a very vulnerable thing to do. But it can be a great idea to to live stream and ask for feedback because, first of all, you might get good feedback. And second of all, it gives your fans or your potential fans kind of a sense of involvement and a sense of ownership in your process where if that then turns into a song and they had they feel like they had some stake in it, some 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 ownership in it, that can be very cool and very exciting for for both for them and for you. Great advice, Vadim. I love that. Back on that um, on the project, th- this is something that I do all the time, just in general for for everything in my life for goal setting because I tend to be a procrastinator and I tend to be intimidated sometimes by the scope of of tasks and something like finish a song, create and finish a song is a very intimidating prospect. Mm-hmm. And so we talked about some strategies there of setting deadlines and, and giving yourself some real world consequences. What what I like to do, and I recommend everybody do this, is to then keep breaking that goal down. Let's say your goal is to finish a three song EP in two weeks. That's very aggressive, but it can be done. What you want to do then is break that down into the next step. So for example, the next step would be, well, to do that, I need to have my arrangements finished. And to have my arrangements finished, I first need to do this. And I first need to do this. And the idea is you keep breaking your goals down into smaller and smaller bite-sized steps to the point, I like to do this to the point where I have day-to-day things I need to do. So at the end of the day, your big intimidating task of having a three-song EP is boiled down into small things that you need to do every day that you can manage. So I would have my list, I would have nothing that takes more than two days on my list and break down that schedule so you know, okay, well, tomorrow it's not so bad. I only have to do two things. All I have to do is change the strings on my guitar and finalize this chorus riff. And that's it. And then I'm on schedule. And when you break things down into very small bite-sized steps like that, all of a sudden this big elephant of three-song EP becomes very manageable. Now all you have to do, whether you're motivated or not, you may wake up in a bad mood, you may, make, may wake up in a good mood. You know you have three things you have to do today and you just, you just work through them. You just put your head down and work through them. Yeah. That's that's really great. I mean, that's huge because otherwise you're just gonna wait, you're just gonna procrastinate and wait till the last minute. Exactly. Then it's gonna be, uh, uh, yeah. And I know this from experience. <laughs> so don't don't do what I do. <laughs> I have a quote here from I, I saw. I think I may have mentioned him before. There's a producer. He's uh, he actually works. His name is Phil Niccolo, and he he's been around forever. And he works. His studio is in my hometown, so I I'm I'm well aware of his work. But he's a Grammy winning producer and mix engineer. I went to see a presentation he did, and he had this quote that I liked a lot when talking about endlessly tweaking things and revising things. And it was it was just that it doesn't have to be perfect; it just has to be right, right? So you kind of know that feeling. That's why like getting that. getting out of the studio, and you kind of know when things poke out at you and something doesn't sound quite right. But it doesn't have to be perfect. And don't let perfection be the enemy of something that's just good that you can get out there. And as I said, from from my personal experience in, in home recording, every time I finish the project, that act of finishing a project, I feel like is a huge milestone. By the time you finish it, you feel you've learned so much that the project in and of itself becomes worth it. And I've always thought, okay, now I really know what I'm doing. Every single project I've ever finished, I've, I've had that same feeling. How about you? Yeah. Oh, I so, I so totally agree. And I'll also add to that that the act of finishing something, 
is like you get 10 times the benefit. Even if you're like 90% along with a song, I swear you get 10% of the benefit out of just deciding that, okay, it's finished. I'm moving on. than you do with just having a whole bunch of unfinished ideas. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you actually, I don't know if it's like something clicks in your brain and you can set that idea down and finally move on to something else or just the idea of having to say, I finalized this helps you make better decisions, but there's something to be said for actually finishing projects. Absolutely. It's that closure. And and the thing is like back in the day, you used to have to release a, a 12 song album. That's not the case anymore. It very commonly bands are releasing singles or EPs. So I think, like you said, I think having two songs that you finish as an EP and put on Bandcamp or whatever is going to be a much more satisfying feeling than having 30 songs that are 80% finished, right? Yeah. Albums don't exist anymore. The playlist is the, the new playlist. album. The it's like is the new album, yeah. Which is so weird because I and but it's cool. It's like the consumers that are listening, the fans that are listening to the music that musicians put out there, they're creating their own albums of playlists. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's also yeah, it also lets you um instead of releasing like 12 songs every year, you if you release you know, one song a month, it's the same number of songs in a year, but it kind of I don't know, personally I'm I'm kind of old school in that I still like to have an like I'll 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 find I'll find bands on Bandcamp all the time where it's a two-song EP and I'm like I want more, I want eight more songs. Yeah. Where are they? Uh, yeah. But no, but that's it's definitely acceptable. So, I just want to encourage you not to uh overexert yourself pick a couple of ideas and finish them and that act of finishing will be so satisfying to you and will it will help you build confidence so this week we're going to do something um fun this is going to be a little bit of a bonus for you guys and uh, a way for you guys to apply uh, some of the concepts we've talked about in this podcast um but what we're going to do for the next two weeks uh vadim and i are going to be taking any any submissions that you guys want to send us of your uh, recordings from home, you can send to us. We'll take a listen to them and we will give free advice and feedback on uh, anything that you want. Uh, it can be the quality of the recording and we can let you guys know if you're on the right track to getting uh, quality at-home recordings. Uh, it could be on the, arrange- the arrangement, the song structure, uh, even your playing. <laughs> That's something we want to do for you guys. And we also want to encourage you to uh, not put off the recording, but to to do it now because now is the best time. So for the next two weeks, uh, you can send your recordings to DIYRecordingGuys at gmail.com. Absolutely. We, we, def, we want to see you guys get your songs out there. And in fact, the other thing I would encourage you is go on the Facebook group and post about your commitment. Post about what your commitment is for the next two weeks or for the next month, whatever deadline you set for yourself. Even just posting it in that community will make you feel somewhat obligated to do it. In fact, I might even, I'm going to keep a list. (laughs) I'm going to keep you honest. I'm going to send you reminders. If you post, you post in the Facebook group what your commitment is, let's say it's make a two song EP in the next two weeks, then first of all, we want to help you. So send us your ideas. And second of all, uh, we're going to try to keep you honest with your deadlines, and I'm going to post 
I'm gonna come, I'm gonna post something as well because I have a, I have a few goals. I have a few things I've been delaying in the studio that I think I I want to get done as well. Yeah, I could commit to that as well. I'll post some I'll post some uh, goals too. So. Yeah, you've been doing your uh, your plug-in shootouts, so I want to see a result of that. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold okay. you to that one. <laughs> okay. I saw your I saw your spreadsheet, by the way. Actually, I want I want <laughs> access to that. I do want access to your uh, <laughs> your uh, your evaluation sheet there. That looked cool. <laughs> yeah, I could send it to you. It probably would be helpful because you're evaluating those neural DSP uh, plugins. Yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, too. Yeah, and I am um, I am good. I am. Uh, I have kind of laid out an episode for for building tone, which I'm going to be recording. That might be my one of my goals. Actually, is to finish that up. Um, we were talking about building tones, and then we still have to do an episode on actually once you've built your tone, how to different techniques for miking the cab. And I have um, I have some cool. I've been playing around with um, or researching the Fredman technique. Are you familiar with that? I think I've heard of it before. It's this, I don't know if I know what it is. It's this cool technique for miking a cab with two SM57s in a very okay. special orientation. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna. One of my goals is to do some testing on that and see how it works out. I have some. I have a very cool reverse engineering idea way to learn how to mic a guitar cab Ooh, okay. without without actually physically being there in the room. So. Oh, I'm intrigued. Is that are you just going to leave it at that? You're going to end the episode on a cliffhanger? I'm going to like it leave it on a cliffhanger because once I show you what it is cuz I kind of want to record myself doing it, but once I show you what it is, you're going to be like, "Oh, I could have thought of that. That's actually really easy and smart." But uh I'm I'm just going to leave it there because I I thought it was a cool reverse engineering way to save yourself a bunch of time whenever you're trying to figure out how to mic your cab. Nice. I can't wait. Okay. All right, dude. Well, this is a good episode. We are excited to see what you guys come up with. Send us your stuff. And until next time, it's the DIY Recording Guys reminding you to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Have a good one. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com, get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording, or shoot me an email, vk at calmfrogrecording.com. And you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com. Hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email, ben at dreamloudstudio.com. And finally, join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly, like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording. Just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. I'll see you next week.